You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, how are we, darling? Welcome back to the show. I am thrilled to be sharing today's guest with you. This conversation, mm, 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 I have been waiting for this moment. So, Connor and I are dear friends with Adam and Vanessa Lambert, and we had them on OK Babe a couple months ago. So, if you have not listened to that show, we talk all about unconventional relationships. They are what we like to call couple goals, and it's not in a way that it's unrealistic or bullshit. (laughs) They are couple goals, people who have done the freaking work, who have gone through the shit and continue to allow and play and grow together. And they are just such wonderful people. And today's guest is Vanessa Lambert. And I have been counting down to this moment. I just love her so much. She is for sure a soul sister. We connect in so many ways on so many levels. I respect the hell out of her. Everything she shares just really resonates with me and speaks to me in a really deep way. And I just love how she's showing up in the world. She continues to open herself up and just be more vulnerable and talk more about her experiences with the ethereal and we get into all of that today. So we talk about being a starseed, what it's like to be abducted by aliens, soul contracts. She talks about, you know, it's okay if you think I'm crazy. That's fine. I know this is part of the deal. Um, We talk through them opening up their relationship and renegotiating their agreements with each other and the chapters and the evolutions that we go through in partnership, experiencing loss. They lost their sweet baby puppy a couple months ago and just going through that grieving process and how she's been healing the mothering wound. And she talks about this and I love this through your fear is the portal of your next awakening. Mm. God, it is so good so, so good. I love her. I cannot recommend listening to their podcast enough. It is called Be The Wellness. If you want to work with Vanessa, she has some incredible projects coming up. So make sure you go over and follow her on Instagram at Be The Wellness so that you are alerted and in the know because everything that this this woman is birthing into the world is powerful and magnetic and so, so divine. So please Head over there, check Vanessa out, listen to Be The Wellness, and give her all the love because oh, we just adore her. All right, here's Vanessa. Okay, can we start with aliens? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> okay, oh God, what, so is, what is your relationship with aliens? Oh, wow. Let's see. Okay, gosh, I cannot wait. This is going to be such a fun story <laughs> to tell. <laughs> so... Um, when I was really little, maybe two, three, like walking, but very, very little, um, I disappeared for an afternoon, like literally disappeared. So my mom called the police. She called the neighbors. Um, everyone was searching the neighborhood. My mom was frantically looking for me. Um, and I was just, I was just gone. 
Um, it had been raining, so my neighbor put on his waders, and he was in the the ditches, like they ha- oh. they were full of water. So he's wading through the water. I mean, it's like went on and on and on, right? And um, you know, it's super funny because my mom told me this story a long time ago, and I completely forgotten about it. And you know, she said that it, it was probably like a little over an hour that this went on, and she dropped to her knees, and she just started praying, and she was like. I can't deal with this. Like she cannot be gone. Please God bring her back. Like this is, this is, I can't, I'm, I will not be able to survive this one. So like, you've got to bring her back. So a minute later, a cop comes to the door again to get a better description of what I'm wearing. And my mom starts saying, you know, she's wearing, and she looks up in the hall and I'm laying asleep on my bed. What? At the end of the hall. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, Mind you, people have been searching the house for over an hour, like this, you know, had gone on. My aunt lived in uh, Sacramento. This was in Auburn. My aunt had got the call from my mom, driven to the house, searched the house. It was like over an hour, right? So I had forgotten about this story. No one knows. Like there's no explanation, right? Like it's just whatever. And I completely forgotten about this story. Until um, two two ceremonies ago when I went and did ayahuasca. And I was like, how have I not asked mama about this yet? <laughs> so um, I said, you know, where did I go? And these aliens came and they're like, you're our starseed. And we wanted to see you. And we, we basically, we wanted a play date. <laughs> basically what? what they said. And they're like, you know, we knew your mom was going to be so upset, but we were going to put you back. It's no big deal. <laughs> you know, like, and I was just like, whoa, well, here we go then. So this like started the whole chapter of like, tell me about my alien heritage. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I did not know that was where we were going to go. This is so (laughs) exciting. Okay. So they wanted to play with you because you're a starseed. Now I have been told I am a starseed and an indigo child and all these things. I don't really know much about them. So can you give us a little lesson here? Well, you know what? It's funny. I actually don't know that much either. And I've just been like really trying to tap into it. And, um, you know, star seeds apparently like the way that I understand it. And actually since then, since that sort of story came forth and I sort of learned that I was a star seed, I've been every ceremony since, and I've done about six of them since I've been asking for more and more information because I just feel like, all right, what is, what does that even mean to be Mm -hmm. a star seed? The way I understand it is that earth is actually, um, I mean, it really is kind of a game of sorts, right? So like the way that I understand it is that there are alien or star nations that are much more evolved than us who have mastered their life experience. So some alien um, nations are really, really um, have perfected engineering. Some have perfected the art. Some have perfected um, communication and relationship. So they've mastered their game, so to speak. And they came together to create Earth as a new concept. And they seeded star seeds, so um, souls, essentially, to start to play this game. And the way that I understand it is that these star seeds, they're, um, you know, there are actually earth seeds too. So souls that are born of the earth that are not from 
these star or systems essentially. Mm. Um, it's, there's something about this, this game helps to help them evolve as well. And I don't totally understand it. And the funny thing is that I could go and read about it and I can get other people's ideas about it, but I've actually been more interested in going direct to the source and communicating directly through plant medicine and through ceremony to find out what they tell me instead of just researching other ideas and other philosophies about how this works. But the way it's been given to me is that like they came together to create this game or this planet and that the evolution of this planet somehow helps them evolve as well. So that's like kind of where I've gotten to. But this last ceremony was really cool. I actually got my soul's origin story. (laughs) So because, you know, think about it, you think about like, where did I come from? Where was I born? Like you kind of think about this lifetime or even your soul, but you never stop to think like, well, who made my soul, right? Like you just seem think God or the ultimate creator, which is true, is is sort of the overarching theme. But the way that it was given to me is that there's three celestial nations, the Arcturian, the Lyran, and the Pleiadians, and that they actually conspired to create my soul. And so they gave my soul the best of those three nations of what they mastered, so to speak. And so that's why on earth, I have these, this particular set of skills, if you will, or things that come more naturally to me. And, you know, they said that like seeding my soul was part of the contribution to the earth game. So like, I don't know, man, I, it's, it's, I do not pretend to be an expert on this whatsoever. This is all super new for me too. In the last year, I've been trying to go deeper with it, but it is amazing. Super cool stuff. <laughs> um, I love this. I want to ask you something because I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends who we have conversations like this all the time. Yeah. And we both kind of had this question. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. So if I am like someone who is not super spiritual and I just heard what you said, I'd be like, Vanessa is batshit crazy. crazy. Like she needs to be on medication, right? Yeah. Yeah. I am sitting here like, because I have sat with plant medicine and I channel and I talk to mushrooms and I have two alien guides that drop in all the time. I'm like, well, yeah, this is so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, tell me more. Um, yeah. The question we had was there's a there's there's a knowing and a conversation that you were just describing. Like I know this is where I come from. I was in conversation with where my soul comes from. They told me and this is true for me. And then right. there's like my imagination runs wild and I create a story or an idea. I wonder about that is like this our imagination playing a game on us? Do we have yeah. more, um, I don't know, robust imaginations that we're able to create these ideas? And at the same time, I don't know that you could make up what you just said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's exactly my point is I'm like, I would have never invented this for myself. Right. Like that's, that is like the last story I would have told myself, right? Like I would have come up with 28 other explanations of all of this stuff before. Oh yeah. By the way, you're an alien. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that, that to me, but you know, in the end, this is, uh, this is honestly what I grapple with all the time, right? Because I have these amazing experiences, experiences and, like these conversations with plant medicine or with aliens, or like you said, through your guides or your channels. And you just have to, at some point, accept that some people are going to think you're crazy. And you just like, 
it, it sucks because, you know, you want to be accepted and you want to be like liked and you want to be held as intelligent and you want to be held as all these things. But at some point you just have to go, well, this is what's there for me. And it feels true. Whether or not it is doesn't, you know, really affect how it feels for me. Mm. And you know? does it even matter if it's true? Like what's actually true? What's real? Right. Right. That's that's right. where I go too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is true? True is whatever you, I mean, obviously there's the scientific method <laughs> which <Right. laughs> can distill out truth in, you know, some ways, but there's a whole big gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So feeling the truth that you are an alien and that you were created from these three different entities, I guess you would call them. So what does it feel like they gifted you? Well, so the way that it was explained to me is that Arcturians are actually really amazing engineers. So that is like the more methodical, organized side of my brain. Um, And then the Lyrans are, they're a little bit more, uh, gosh, it's like tiger spirit. So they actually are a little bit more uh, aggressive or they're a little bit more... um, feisty, if you will. Um, and then the Pleiadians are actually more spiritual, artistic, um, kind of just have that side of things. So it's like a combination of these three energies is what I consist of. Wow. Yeah. So do you feel like when you want to open up a part of yourself, you call on the Pleiadians, for example, for that set of skills? Like, is that like an open conversation of like, okay, I'm tapping into this? You know, honestly, what I've really been doing is just trying to pull them in during meditation in the morning. And just like the three, there's like three spirits that show up and they're almost like the, um, like the guide of each nation for me. And I've just been sitting with them. And actually, it's crazy. Just this last weekend was my birthday and we were in Truckee and we did some mushrooms and we had this amazing ceremony. We did it very ceremonial. And it was like, I went super deep. And um, they actually said to me, it's time for you. I, I wanted to get this right because it was actually so trippy. They were like, I have always been seeking out teachers. I've always, I mean, since I was a kid, I've been learning and striving to learn different methodologies and trainings and all this stuff. And they said, it's time for you to stop seeking for the teacher and it's time for you to accept your training, which is coming from them. Mm. So they're like, no more going out and taking this course and that course and looking for other teachers. They're like, it's time for you to accept your training. We're going to give it to you. So they told me, take pen to paper. And get ready because it's coming. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. okay. Yeah. So I honestly, like, this is the crazy thing is that I'm not one of these people that knows a ton about this or really is super clear on it all, but I'm just kind of tapping into what they're saying and following instructions, so to speak. It's interesting you bring that up because I have this sisterhood group and we have a call every Tuesday night and mm. there's no, um, there's no rhyme or reason. We just all decided during COVID that we wanted to collectively gather. And it's mm-hmm. become so beautiful. Uh, you would mm. love these women. Uh, but, that's amazing. Yeah. And everyone is a teacher in their own right. Um, but what's been coming up is this idea of the constant searching for a guru or someone mm-hmm. to tell us what to do. And we notice this a lot with clients. I'm sure you do the same thing. It's like, 
people are always looking externally for someone to tell them what to do or to teach them. And then do they actually implement it? Is there an integration process or are you just going to the next thing and like, okay, do this for me or uh, I need someone else to tell me. But there's there's oftentimes not a command or an ownership of the space and like what you just said of, okay, now it's really time. Mm-hmm, and this is mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And I'm I'm not only in the student role, but I'm also in the teacher role while I am in listening. Mm-hmm. How how have you navigated that as you've gone further into spirituality when there's so many options for coaches and programs and courses and all that stuff? And there's this knowing of like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. This is my teacher. And I'm also going to step into the teacher role while I am the student. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, is it Yogi Bhajan? He's a Kundalini teacher talks about, you know, at some point, it's important for the student to become the teacher, like that's part of the training, Mm -hmm. you know, and so for me, it's been a really interesting experience becoming a teacher because it's always been picked for me. I never really sat out and was like, I'm going to start teaching. I, I swear to God, I felt like it just kept getting picked for me. Like I kept just getting put into that position. And so I think we have, you know, that, um, what do they call it when you don't feel fully prepared or, uh, what is it like the, the term that imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think we all suffer from that, right? We're like, Oh no, I'm not ready yet. Like I I still need to learn more. But the fact of the matter is like, you're always going to know a little bit more than somebody and someone's always going to little know a little bit more than you. So just teach what you're embodied to teach and don't worry about like being an expert, so to speak, just share what you have to share and keep going on your own journey, you know, and that trickle down effect is just part of the energy exchange that is so beautiful. And we should be sharing our energy. We should be receiving and giving, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like, well, let me fill my cup all the way up and then I can give. It's like, no, I can have this circular motion of energy always flowing. Has there been a fear for you of coming to like one place where this is where I'm going to learn? This is where I am going to do pen to paper. This is um, this is my space. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And actually, it's really funny because part of the message I got the other night was that I actually have to surrender some of the um, judgment that I know my dad, my father will have about this. So I definitely had to surrender that. Like I'm, I mean, as we're speaking, I'm dealing with that because I'm like, I know talking about this, if my dad hears this podcast, he's going to be like, Oh my God, what's happening to you? Like, I'm so worried, you know, and I have to actually be okay with that. I have to be okay with the fact that someone I dearly love that, you know, I want their adoration or respect or whatever that is, is probably going to freak out or, you know, is going to freak out and be completely concerned about this. So, you know, I actually feel like that is such an important thing to share and such an important piece of information because this is what holds a lot of us back from accepting this journey or accepting this path is just fear of judgment, you know, and it couldn't come any bigger than a parent Mm -hmm. than like, you know, one of your pillars, so to speak of your heart. So Yeah. I mean, this is just part of the acceptance of this path is like, it's not necessarily going to (laughs) be littered with approval. It's going to have some of its challenges. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the parent dynamic. So 
losing my mom taught me a lot about this. I, mm. I have been so scared to be who I know I am and to really own it and to just surrender into it because of her. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to disappoint her and seem like a failure. And this isn't the life that she envisioned for me. And I have been trying to people please and achieve in order to make her proud. And I realized that I was, I was really holding myself back and not wanting to fully express who I am because it, I'm not the daughter that I think she wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mm-hmm. live up to her standards and her ideals and, you know, leaving sports television, which was everything to her. Mm-hmm. And then going so far the other direction and being super woo woo in a space that she knows nothing about. I just, I kept feeling like I'm not doing good enough. I'm a failure. And when she passed away, it was like everything shifted for me. And I, I, I connected with her after she passed. I mean, I do every day, but I just kept hearing that like she understood the dynamic of our relationship and that she couldn't show up the way I needed. And that now she is like, she is my spirit squad. Like she is with me at all times, helping me facilitate circles and helping me before I record a solo podcast. And just like, she is part of my voice But she Mm -hmm. couldn't do that in the human experience because of ego and judgment and like her own fears and trauma that she never got to work through. And so it's been so interesting to have her in the ethereal now without judgment and just this knowing. I feel so supported. Like I have her hand on my back no matter what I'm doing. And it's so interesting to hear you experiencing this now. I feel like our parents know but they can't mm-hmm. come to terms with that. And so it's not until they're gone so often that they're able to really acknowledge and be supportive. And that has yeah. been such a, a wild experience to have. Mm. I'm so glad we're talking about this because, you know, when you say this, then, you know, I could hear the listener out there being like, okay, so I have to wait for my parent to die. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Like, well, this is kind of a messed up situation. But one of the things that really came through for me on this is that I can actually rewrite the soul contract now with my parent alive. Yeah. And you know what? He may not be able to show up for me completely while he's still in body in this lifetime. But uh, he, I I can actually work with him at a soul level. So, you know, I don't know if you've talked about soul contracts before on your podcast, but, you know, I believe that we write these contracts with our parents, with the people in our lives so that we come in with certain roles to help teach us things about ourselves. And so that was one of the lessons I was getting this last weekend is it's time to break the soul contract. The contract is up. And I think that the contract sometimes can come to fruition and can be complete even while your parent is still living or even while anyone is still living. And you can actually read write it at a soul level. So I have actually been practicing going up at a soul to soul level. And I actually have a guided meditation to do this. And I'll share it with you. You can share it with your listeners. Yes. Where you can go up at a soul to soul level and you can start rewriting this contract while you're still in body. Mm. Because we need this permission, right? And I have been amazed at what has shifted for people when they have rewritten a soul contract with people still living 
all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, you know, I thought my husband would never let us move to Florida because, you know, he's a, he's a Michigan man. And suddenly out of nowhere, he said, let's move to Florida when we retire. Like these crazy shifts happen when you go up and restructure these contracts. So, you know, even though our parents are the people who might be um, tethering at our souls are still alive, we can do something in the flesh to shift that energy. I love that you bring that up. That is so perfect. And I was uh, facilitating a circle last week and someone was talking about a relationship she has with her mom right now. It's very similar to the one that I had. And what I offered is something that I didn't do. And having perspective now and being able to converse with her now, I realized there are things I could have done differently, knowing her on the other side. It's really kind of weird. I don't like to use the word weird, but it's definitely weird. Um, (laughs) And what I said is that I had such a fear around having a quote unquote controversial conversation with her because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to upset her. I didn't want her to um, feel like I wasn't grateful for her and everything she's done for me. And I just... I was kind of scared of her in controversial conversations because she was such a big presence and she liked to argue and I am not like that. And so I never went for it. I didn't talk to her about being bisexual. I didn't talk to her about a lot of things happening spiritually um, because I was really nervous and I felt like she didn't understand me. And what I realized is that all it would have taken was me initiating a conversation and saying, mom, I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me because it's allowed me to see and have this life and be this woman. And these are the things coming up for me. And these are my truths. And I just want you to know me. And I I don't expect you to get it or approve of everything. But I want to have an open relationship with you that isn't full of like this elephant in the room all the time. And she didn't have the ability to do that, but I did. And I chose not to because I was fearful. And now that I have her in this way, I realized that I was so scared of nothing. Like I was so scared of nothing. And that's what I could have had. And it's okay. I don't regret it because I understand now. But I really offered this to this girl. It's like, you want this relationship with your mom and you have the ability to have hard conversations in ways that she didn't have the tools or resources to do. And so what if you initiated that? What if you chose to do that? And maybe it is, you know, releasing a soul contract or releasing this grip that we feel or this these expectations. What kind of relationship can blossom and flourish from that space rather than coming from fear, but coming from love and compassion? Mm. Yeah. Amen. And just giving them a chance, right? Because you're almost scripting the reality before it's even taken place. And it's based on old paradigms and old stories. And like, we have to give ourselves the opportunity to have a new story. You know, just because that was the past doesn't mean it has to be the future. And we tend to always just take the past, put it in the future and expect it to be there the same way it was. And it doesn't have to be. Mm. Damn, that's so good. It's so true. It's like we choose how people are going to respond before we give them the opportunity to. Absolutely. And we come in with all of this like irritation and aggravation and expectation. And we don't actually channel it from a place of love. You know, we don't actually like do our part, which is like get grounded, clear the space in your body, clear the space in your mind, make room for love, set a container. Like we don't do all the things that we would do if we were doing like a self care ritual, right? If we were going to have a bubble bath, we would like light a candle and we put on some nice music. Like we would set it with the intention for 
it to be beautiful. But like, why don't we do that with our relationships? Mm, It's yeah. This morning (laughs) I was leaving for the gym and before I left at 745, I don't know what he was thinking, but he's like, Connor goes, so when we get back, can we talk about X, Y, Z? And I'm just like, I haven't even had coffee yet. (laughs) Yes, we can do that. So my whole workout, I'm like, okay, how am I going to navigate this conversation? This is going to be difficult. I know he's going to be triggered. I'm feeling discomfort. How can I show up and create the container and not um, come from a place of fear or anger or whatever? How can I really show up fully from love and compassion and really see him in this moment? And so I got home. And I wasn't aggressive. I wasn't hovery. I wasn't like, okay, you want to talk about it? What do we need to talk about? Like I usually would. I was just very calm. And I was like, hey, do you want to talk about this thing? And he made us breakfast and we sat on the couch and we talked for like an hour and a half and no voices were raised. There was no defensiveness. There wasn't any anger, no crying on my part. Um, It was just a very honest, open container. And I truly believe it's because I came in with, I'm usually the one to set the container, but I came in with the intention of love and compassion rather than being attacking or judgmental. And the conversation went completely differently, but I didn't have an attachment or an expectation of what the outcome was going to be. I'm like, Mm -hmm. he can respond however he wants. And this is how I'm going to hold this space because this is what feels true for me. Mm -hmm. And it was magnificent to see it operate in that way rather than what it usually does in anger and defensiveness and judgment. And it's like, then you just don't see each other and you accomplish nothing. Right, right. And you just cycled the same energy back and forth. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, it's so beautiful because honestly, the more you do this stuff, it's like you you work that muscle and then you trust even greater that you can show up completely and that you can show up in love and authenticity and that you're just going to be accepted. And it's just going to be, it's like we get in our own way so much more than we need to. If we would just calm down, you know, get ourselves grounded and come from a place of love, like your whole world would be different. All right, just a quick break in this conversation with the incredible Vanessa Lambert to tell you guys about today's sponsor. Our friends over at Sovereignty are killing the game when it comes to highly functional bioavailable cannabinoids. I know, lots of big words. Here's the deal. They are blending ancient Eastern plant medicine with cannabinoids, so you're getting CBD in a really bioavailable way. So your body is able to soak up all the nutrients and use them in so many different ways. So they have two different products that we are absolutely obsessed with in this house. They have purpose and dream. And purpose is really for daytime alertness, focus. It is really smooth and clean energy. Not like you're going to get crazy jitters from caffeine and the anxiety I have been talking about over and over. Um, It really brings a sense of euphoria and a mood enhancement and has seven plant-based ingredients. You've got green tea, turmeric, blueberry, all these things that really help with arousal and better sex. And they have all natural ingredients. There's nothing synthetic. There's no crap inside of here. And then dream is really meant for nighttime, for your relaxation, for sleep. It really provides restorative and rejuvenating sleep with CBN. And so many of their customers have come forward saying their sleep is drastically improved, which, hello, we all want to sleep better. So if you have something that is all natural and super easy and bioavailable, 
I am definitely here for it. Here's the best thing about sovereignty. I love this company. I love anyone who is transparent and supportive and is willing to be on your side and advocate for their their clients and their customers. So they have created the your favorite money back guarantee. So if you don't like dream or purpose, not only will sovereignty return your money, they will purchase your favorite supplement of choice as well. This is a special guarantee for my audience, for all of you in our community. So head over to sovereignty.co slash Kelly. That's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot co slash Kelly. You will get an incredible discount. And I love, love, love purpose during the day. Just mix it into cold water, shake it up. It is extended energy. So it will not give you those jitters that I am definitely not here for. And if you are needing some help with your sleep, dream is a go-to. And let me know what you like and how you like it and how you mix it. I'm a big fan of um, anything blendable and drinkable at this point, as you know. So check out Sovereignty. We absolutely love them. All right, let's get back to Vanessa. How have you and Adam and we talked a little bit this about this on OK Babe. So if anyone hasn't listened to Adam and Vanessa on OK Babe, please go listen to that show. It was so <laughs> good. Um, but how have you guys navigated, and you specifically, when there is something difficult coming up, and maybe you are going to stir the pot a little bit with what's coming up for you, how do you step into those conversations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the one thing I will say, and I think we even talked about this on the show is that I actually have given myself permission to have anger, which was a huge breakthrough because I came from my mom, God bless her. She's amazing. But she taught me that we should never get upset. Everything should be cool and calm and collective. And we should, you know, always be coming from that. And and it's a really beautiful concept, but it was almost like to the extreme, right? Where no, no, like, uh, emotion was allowed. It had to all be so contained. And so one of the biggest breakthroughs for us about seven years into our marriage was like, Oh my God, we should fight sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like we should yell, we should get it out. It's super important to express that. Right. But almost giving permission for that, it helped to also then just go, okay, we don't need to stay there. If there's something that needs to be expressed and, you know, maybe it's a frustration or maybe it's a hurt or maybe it's just an aggravation that needs to be in the room for a second, we're able to move quickly past it and get back to what's true for us, which is that we both want the other person to be happy. We really, really both genuinely care about the other person and who they are in this existence of life that like we want to get to what's important and what matters. And like, we just want to, we want to help each other have the best life possible. And so that just seems to always help move the ball in the right direction. Coming back to we're on the same team. Yes. Same team, same team, babe. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's almost, you know, I don't know if you guys experience this, but when Connor and I get upset, I, all I see is like, seven-year-old him and seven-year-old me. And we're like, you took my ball. Get off my lawn, whatever. And it's like, if you just realize that, oh, we're like, we're on the same street hockey team and we're working together and I'm here for you and you're here for me. And we have so many of the same end goals and it might not look exactly the same, but we're really on the same page. And we, we so 
we jump so quickly and forget that. It's like the yeah. immediate response is like, oh, you're coming after me. You're not mm-hmm. on my team. And I don't know why we do that. It's, I guess, a defensive mechanism. But what I have noticed is that if I remember that Connor is my biggest cheerleader and loves me more than anyone in the world, okay, like we can work this out. It's when I forget that and I think that I'm a little kid who's being attacked and isn't being invited to the party that I lose my mind. Totally. No, it's so true. And it's just like, in the end, you know, Adam and I have been together 20 years. So like the other part of this, and we said this on OK Babe, is that like, it's actually really nice to get a little older. Yeah. <laughs> like We're just too tired. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just turned 42. He's 43. And it's like, ah, it's just too much effort. Like it's whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> if you like it, I'll like it. <laughs> it's true. So, you pick your battles much differently after a while. You totally do. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm in such gratitude of like just all of the foundation that's there because at this point I'm like ah you know what whatever it's gonna be fine and so if you're out there worried about aging and all of that stuff I'll just tell you there's so many great things about it and this is one of them (laughs) and you guys talk about this all the time you have great sex so that's not like that just goes away because you turn 40 (laughs) no it's actually like I I'm kind of amazed like you hear all these stories about that right like oh it goes away or it's you're bored or whatever I'm like I okay well whatever (laughs) maybe you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think you guys asked us what do you do when you run out of positions and our answer was you run out of positions yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that something I'm learning right now Connor and I have only been together a year and a half um that's so crazy isn't it weird I feel like we've been together for 10 years yeah (laughs) especially just during COVID I told them like we have definitely lived multiple lifetimes during this six months for sure um But what I'm really coming to feel and understand is the chapters of a relationship. And Mm -hmm. I actually, I came to him, I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but I came to him and I said, um, I really feel strongly about ending our relationship as it is and starting new. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have about six weeks right now where we're not really together a lot. We're together a couple of days and then he's gone hunting for about a week and then I'm on a trip. And so I really... I wanted to intentionally come into this time and take some space apart. We didn't break up. We're still together. Everything's great. But I wanted to redefine the terms and the agreements of our relationship because the person that I was and that he was when we met, we are so different just a year and a half later. And we're talking about getting married and having babies and doing all these things in the next year, year and a half. And I just realized I don't want to take the old version into this. I understand it helped get us here, but I don't want to continue living by these stories and patterns and standards when we have evolved out of it. And accepting Mm. that the first year and a half of our relationship isn't going to look like year 20, right? And being open to that evolution, I think that where so many people go wrong, and I've done this myself, I'm attached to what it was in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. And it has to look exactly the same and it can't evolve or change or grow. And you can't come to new agreements because what does that even mean? For Mm -hmm. me, it feels so nice to be able to kind of let some stuff burn and decide, okay, this is working for us. This isn't. And this is how we want it to look. And we can come in from a different place than we were a year and a half ago when I had only done ayahuasca three times and still didn't really know myself, you know, and I'm yeah. I'm curious what those chapters and the evolution has meant for you as you have evolved. 
Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm really grateful because Adam and I, we got together so young that we had the wherewithal to realize that if we wanted to stay together a long time, that we would have to be acutely aware of how our relationship was changing and that we would have to be pretty open to shifts and structural changes because we were like 22 and 20, I think, yeah, 22 or 21 and 23 when we met. I mean, come on. Wow. Like we just knew that it was going to have to shift. And so we just took it as it came, but there was always an openness that if anyone wanted to rework something, if anyone wanted to renegotiate the contract, so to speak, that it was up for a negotiation. And so we've done that consistently throughout our relationship. And, you know, a lot of that had to do in the beginning with, okay, well, what are we going to do when one of us wants to sleep with someone else? Because it's going to happen, right? Like we're early 20s and we're going to try to stay together our whole lives. What are we going to do about that? And so from the very beginning, it was always like, okay, well, if that comes up, then we just need to be honest about it. We need to make space for that. We need to figure it out. So we did, you know, when it came up, we made space for it. We figured it out and it wasn't always pretty. It was rocky at times. It was difficult to navigate as it is. And, you know, and then we kind of came on the other side of it where we're like, you know, let's not do that anymore, at least for a while, because it's just so much effort. Yeah, (laughs) It's so so much like conversation and communication and constant, like tending to the garden where it was like, well, actually, what would we rather spend that energy on? We'd rather spend it on creating programs that are helpful for people in the world. We'd rather be coaching people and sharing, you know, um, the things that we've have held some mastery in. Like we'd rather use that energy for other things that at this point are more important for us, but we had to make that space for it, you know? And so it's just been a constant cycle of just saying, okay, where are we at now? What do we want to use our energy on? What's most important for our own personal growth and also the contribution we make to the world, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's just an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing conversation. What did you guys learn? And I don't know to the extent at which you opened the relationship or I don't know anything about that, but I'm just curious what you guys learned in those experiences, whether it was the conversations or ha- allowing your partner to go out and do that on their own. And, and then what followed that? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was really hard, you know, it was just really, really hard. And, um, it was just like, you know, we kind of split up for a while because it got so hard because it got so difficult. And we had, you know, um, someone that was in our life that was in our relationship that wanted more. And then all of a sudden we are faced with this, like, uh Oh, you know, we're the main two, but now this other person wants more. And it became so painful and so difficult that we actually split up for about a year and had to almost reset, recalibrate the whole thing. And this is what actually taught me that if you really want a long term relationship, if you really want to go the distance with one person and build a legacy together, it's really difficult to have other partners. It's really, really a challenge. And eventually the balance gets out of whack or eventually one person wants more. Eventually someone might get so hurt and eventually it might be so difficult that it could pressure your relationship to the point that it can't survive. 
And so for us, it was kind of like we went through a few different scenarios with a few different people. And it was just like, you know what? The pressure of this, I just had this hummingbird just come literally. Did you mm, see it? No, I come didn't. Come into the screen. It like came right here. And that's that's my grandma. She shows oh. up. <laughs> What's up, grandma? What's up, Maddie? <laughs> um, so anyway, we just learned that like you have to actually be really careful with the amount of pressure you put on a relationship if you want it to be a legacy, if you want it to be a lifetime together. Mm, I love that. You know, it's something I've been grappling grappling with a bit. And I don't, it's not that I don't believe in open relationships, but the idea of being in a poly situation where I'm off with someone and he's off with someone and then we like come back together and then we go do the thing. And I just, I personally don't find that exciting. Um, I don't, like you said, want to put all that effort in. It is so complicated. Um, And I think that's something that we've had to talk a lot about because, you know, Connor and I like doing things together and that's fun. And that's a novel experience for both of us. And it feels really good and safe. And, and that is our agreement. I just don't, I know it works for some people and maybe that's just not how my brain and body work or want it, but I don't see how that can lead to a healthy long-term relationship when I am giving parts of myself to other people in a significant way. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I really agree. And it's the conclusion we came to. And I think there's actually a lot of pressure right now on people to be so woke. Like, oh, we have to be so woke. We need to have five different partners and a primary and a secondary. And I mean, I'm just here to say that like, it's fine. But if you want to build a life with someone, if you want a legacy of love, to put that pressure on it is to put it at very high risk. And I am all for people experimenting and doing what they want. But I just really think people should consider what they want when they look back on their lifetime. Do they want a a love story that lasted a lifetime? Or do they or maybe they don't. Maybe they're okay with a few different love stories. I knew I wanted a love story with Adam that would be for all time. And so I didn't. At some point, it just like the juice was not worth the squeeze, as they say, right? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to put that pressure on our relationship when like that was the most important thing to me is that. And we don't have kids. You know, we've been together almost 20 years. So like we had to choose each other every day. And not that people with kids don't have to choose each other. But I'm just saying there was no other reason mm-hmm. to be together than to be together. You know, there was no other thing like, oh, let's stay in it for the kids. It was like we had to choose each other constantly. And with the pressure of, you know, pulling that energy away, I just felt like, you know, we're not, maybe we're superheroes, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe we're not strong enough to to really hold that together. Well, and don't you think that the so much of the idea of a poly relationship is freedom and sovereignty? Sure. And what yes. I have noticed is that early on, Connor and I would bring things up. He would mostly bring them up and I would get triggered and then he didn't feel free. He couldn't say what he wanted. And it was just like a whole thing. And so he, his pushback and his like, Hey, I want to try this or Hey, I want to do this. And I was like, absolutely not. I was so in control. I was locked down because of it. And so we just played that game for so long. 
then what I noticed is that the more okay I got with it, the more open conversations we had and we would talk about desires or fantasies or, you know, we both think this girl is hot. And so that's like a thing we share together. He stopped like saying he stopped needing to act on it because he felt free already. He was like, oh, I can say this thing. I can feel this thing. I don't need to act on it. I can have this open, quote unquote, open relationship with my partner, but it doesn't need to look like, you know, us doing things all the time. It's so it's it's like a mind fuck. We all just want to be free (laughs) and we all want to be able to express ourselves. It doesn't necessarily need to look like the action of it, though. A hundred percent. And I think that's exactly where we got to. It was almost like just the knowing we could go there. We're capable of it. We can, you know, if something was really important to another person, we would make space for it. But like once that's almost a given, you almost are like, oh, okay, well, never mind then. Yes. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yes. God, it changes the, it changes the obligation and open, opens up the space for more choice. And I think that's beautiful. And it could be so like helpful to the learning experience, right? Because it can pull up those core wounds and it can show you like, okay, I can't deny that I'm terrified of being abandoned. Like an abandonment is a real issue for me. So like this is pulling it to the surface so that you can process it. And, you know, that open relationship or that experience might help pull that to the surface. But once it's processed, you like don't necessarily need to keep repeating the cycle. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, it's processed. I'm not afraid of this. I'm grateful for what it pulled out. And now I'm just good with it. I'm good in myself. I'm good with the things that have been healed and Maybe I don't need the lesson over and over and over. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. That's so good. I want to go back to um, to talking about ayahuasca. And we talked a little bit about this on OK Bay, but you just came out of an experience. Mm-hmm. And you've been processing a lot with the loss of your sweet puppy. Yeah. Mm, so difficult. Um, yeah. I felt that with you. I have never mm-hmm. lost a pet. I lost one when I was in fourth grade, but it was totally different. But as an adult, I've never lost a pet. And I just, I felt your heart and I can't imagine what that's been like. So I know you were processing that and this crazy year that we've had. So what, what did, what did this ayahuasca experience look like for you? Yeah, it was so crazy, you know, and it was so, it was so strange because you lost your mom just a few days after I lost Penelope mm-hmm. and it there was like a connective thread between you and I in that moment that was really I felt it so deeply mm-hmm. and so it was just really sweet I don't like it was like the loss was so deep for both of us in our own way and I know obviously losing a, p- a pet is not like losing your mom but it's loss it's deep loss you know and I did I felt that connection so deeply mm-hmm. with you so feeling you sister Thank you. <laughs> um you know it was really beautiful because when I went into that ceremony, I was like, okay, I just really want to see Penelope, who was my, my dog who was with us for almost 17 years. So Adam and I will be married 17 years in October. So she literally was with us our entire marriage, wow. you know, almost all my adult years at this point. She's just, and we didn't have kids. So she was our baby. Like she just really was. She made us a family mm. and losing her has been one of the most deep losses, but also most beautiful containers for the human to just to view your love and the human experience through. And so I think when I went into ayahuasca, I was like, okay, I just want to see her. 
I just want to know she's okay. I just like, I want her to show up for me. And, you know, the very first thing that mama said to me is I was just like, where's Penelope? Where's she at? Like, show her to me. And she just said, she's gone. And it was like, so devastating because I was hoping to have this moment of like, oh, she's just right here and it's just okay. But like what she needed to help me do was get the depth of the loss, Mm. like not patch it over, but actually experience that she's truly gone and like, let me go all the way through that. And so I just, you know, sobbed my eyes out because of just the depth of the loss, you know, the depth of that sadness. And she actually had me put my hands on my abdomen and she's like, your heart is broken, but your womb needs healing because you're literally nursing the mother wound. Like you've had the death of a child. And it's, it, even though it's not a child, the loss for you is the death of a child. And so it was just really so deep and so crazy. And, you know, of course, then the aliens came, <laughs> <laughs> the aliens yep. and they, they started doing surgery on, on my abdomen, like working on it, wow. like healing it. Yeah. And so it was just really, it was so beautiful though, because it was just like, instead of her you know, mama's, she's so brilliant the way she works. Instead of her just coming in with Penelope and being like, it's okay. Here she is. She's, you know, she actually came in with the deep healing and holding the space for the loss and how, um, what a, what a gravitational pull that is on my heart, you know? And it was just really amazing and beautiful. And then a little while later, it was really darling because I had this stuffed animal that was like a little, she was a Bichon. So I had it with me. It was a little Bichon. She started animating like the Bichon and she's like, whenever you get sad, just, you know, move me around and think about it. And then she put the, the dog to my ears and the little stuffed animal started licking my tears. Oh my God. (laughs) And I like pulled it away from my face for a minute and looked at it. And then I put it back and started licking my tears again. And I was just cracking up. I was like, this is hilarious. You're like, I'm definitely on ayahuasca. Okay. (laughs) Got it. It's a hell of a drug. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it it interesting to you when you think you need a certain kind of healing and then you get something totally different and you're like, oh, like I didn't even have the ability to hold space for what is happening right now because I had no idea this was possible. Totally. And I just feel like that's why ayahuasca is such a beautiful medicine is that she's so beyond brilliant. She so heals you in a way you didn't even have for yourself. And that is what is just so remarkable about her. And I mean, it's just been, she's been such a gift to my heart. I know she's been such a gift to your Mm -hmm. heart too. And she's just such a beautiful friend. Mm. I've been really feeling called to sit with the medicine again. And I haven't said this out loud yet, but I'm almost, I'm in a place where before I wasn't really scared because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I I had no experience or expectation. I'm like, okay, I'm showing up fully for this experience. Show me what I'm meant to see. And now that I have sat with mushrooms and ayahuasca enough times now, I'm really nervous and scared to go into Mm -hmm. it. And I'm curious your perspective, because I know you do retreats with people and and how you talk someone through that, not into it, because we don't talk anyone into it, Mm -hmm. but what, what that is. 
Well, I think for me, it's, it's pretty easy with Aya in particular because of her, because of the mother spirit, because of that energy that is so precious and so supportive. And so I think for people who are struggling, I always just ask them to turn it over and ask for grace and ask for help, you know? And I think that that's really where you have to surrender. You have to know that it's okay to be afraid. And actually that's a beautiful thing because through the fear is a next, is the portal of your next awakening. Mm -hmm. And so whatever that energy is around fear like if you give yourself permission to actually go in and have it held, you're going to have a whole new reality around it. Mm. And I think for everyone, what, if, what it really comes down to is there's just a few main fears. The fear of death. Like if you really just think about it, you're like, I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm, I mean, that is like one of them. And then the, the fear of abandonment, which is really in, is it death in its, in its own way? And so I think when you really just realize that you're afraid of those things, you're afraid of being alone, you can actually ask for grace. You can actually ask for help and you can actually ask for support and you don't have to hold it all yourself. And then from there, it's just an allowing of the support to show up. And it always does. It mm. always does. Oh, that's so good. I think the other thing that comes up for me too is the first few times I, I sat with ayahuasca, my integration was really rough. Like I was shaking for 10 days straight after my first ceremonies and it just, it brought everything up and out and it was just there. And I just felt like I was constantly swirling in shit and awareness and things that I had never thought about. And I, I mean, I was so early on in personal development. I had almost zero tools and resources for how to handle this. Um, mm -hmm. And I get nervous that my integration is going to look like that again. And it, it could, but what I think I forget and I don't give myself credit for is that I have done so much of the work and the practice and I do have tools and resources now that my frame of reference and my experience is completely different than what it was almost two years ago. And, and mm -hmm. I think we forget that. It's like, oh, but I do have the tools now. I can sit on a pretty heavy dose of mushrooms and talk myself through it without anyone else there. And a year ago, I would be in a full panic, screaming and crying, like, <laughs> oh, my God, what's going on? And it, it's just such a different relationship. And I think that's where I get a little lost and need to remind myself of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do think, though, when it comes to integration, it is really important to have a plan for that, you know, and especially like you have, you have this plethora of support and information now that maybe you didn't have the first time, but it is really important to have a plan for your integration. Like, what am I actually going to do to take all of this experience, all this knowledge, all this awakening and digest it and make it usable in my life. Mm. And, um, I actually have an eight week program that's called authentic self that is, it was not written specifically for integration, but now um, 
I've had so many folks use it as such and they're like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I needed. So I do actually have something that can help support people out there if they're thinking about doing plant medicine, especially in the beginning, because Mm -hmm. you do, you just come home and you're just like a bomb went off and you're like, it was an awesome bomb, but now (laughs) what do I do? Pieces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I, I just recommend whether it's my programmers, whatever program the people you're sitting with have to have a plan for integration because it really makes such a difference. And if you want to actually action, you know, take action on the things that came to the surface and that you learned, you're going to have to create some new habits and thought processes to do so. It's not just going to be magically integrated. You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. So as you have been processing loss and grief and death, these are things that I have come to feel we just don't talk about enough. It's like we have resources and we're prepared for lots of things in life. And for whatever reason, we have decided to not help anyone prepare for death or what that looks like or how to cope with it. And I'm I'm curious for you what that has brought up and brought to the surface and shown you about yourself and where you're going that maybe you had never come across before. Yeah. And I, I would say that the number one thing that that brought forth for me was how important ceremony is. Mm. You know, we do not have enough ceremony in our lives. And so we have these, you know, really deep experiences, but we don't set a container to allow ourselves to deeply process it. And so I have found over the last six months that I I'm creating ceremony, like a very structured, specific ceremony. Like we're going to take two days and this is going to be the structure. We're going to meditate and then we're going to do a prayer and then we're going to play this song. Someone's going to read a poem, like an actual structured ceremony to work through the stuff that's going on. And, you know, part of my my birthday weekend, just this last weekend, we structured the entire weekend as a ceremony. And at one point, you know, we played the song. Um, it actually happened like it was kind of unplanned, but in a way planned. But we played the song that I buried Penelope to, which was the um, Jai Jagdish song in dreams. And it's just such a beautiful song. And it was such a beautiful way to lay her to rest. And so it came on and I started crying, you know, of course, reflecting on her, her burial in that moment. And all of my girls, all of the women in the house came around me and they held me and they allowed me to just grieve so deeply. That was so supportive to get that out. And for them to get the opportunity to hold me in my grief and for me to give them permission to grieve for me in my grief. And so I would just say that thing that has become more important to me as a result of that and this entire year is how crucial ceremony is in our lives. And I, you know, I think this next iteration of my career and my work that I do is going to be primarily around that. Mm, Yeah. How are things changing for you now? Because I imagine that COVID (laughs) plus loss plus new ayahuasca ceremony has uh, blown everything up in all the best ways. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just feel, you know, so deeply inspired to go deeper into 
you know, the, the wisdom that's coming through, through the aliens, <laughs> allowing, making space for that, but also really making space for women and um, the ceremonial needs that we have. And so I'm starting a new uh, membership group called Starseed Collective. And it will be really f- to give space to this, to give space to the learning, the training that we want as women, whether it's through, you know, celestial beings or whether it's through crystals, whether it's through plant medicines. I want to make space for us to actually learn together about these things so that we can make space for them in our lives. And we can start to integrate these ancient medicines and these ancient tools that so many of us have forgotten. And also we just don't know how to use, you know, it's like, all right, lavender's awesome, but what do I do with it? And it's like, well, actually, it's super soothing to the central nervous system. And you can, you know, completely calm yourself, your frequency with it, like all of these little things that we should be integrating into our day to day experience. So Starseed Collective will hopefully be coming in the next couple of months and will be just a platform for that. And I want to have, um, you know, a book club portion of it. Like I started reading the Sophia code. Do you know the Sophia? No, code? tell me. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's really about like activating the Christ consciousness, but there's all these initiations that are done within the book. And so you, you do them out loud and create a ceremonial space to do it. So I want to like have this space for us women to come together and be creating these rites of passage, these ceremonial states, and also integrating it into our daily lives. So mm. That's coming soon. So good. So do (laughs) you, when you're putting this program together, is this something where you feel like you'll be actively channeling the work and and the materials um, so that it's like divinely coming through you? Well, I, here's the key word, Starseed Collective. It is going to be a collective. And I want the participants to also feel like they have a space to give to it, to the creation of it, because all of my programs have been about me. Mm. I make them. It's my information and I give it. And I'm kind of getting over that in my life. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have stuff to offer, but I think we're so much more powerful and it's so much more interesting that the collective gets to bring the wisdom that's coming through for them and that they have a group and a platform they can share it in and say, this is what I'm channeling, or this is some information that came up for me, you know, and my, my goal is to have, you know, circles that we can break out in on and that people can learn from each other as well. So I'm really kind of getting over myself being the, like the one, so to speak, (laughs) I like want to hold the container and obviously I will be bringing my own stuff and channeling whatever's there for me, but I don't want it to be about me just giving out. I want it to be a circular sharing. How do you have discernment when you're in a group or maybe working with someone and they're, they say they're channeling. And they Mm -hmm. say, this is coming forward for me. And whether it's for them or I feel the need to share this with you and you decide whether that's resonant for you or not. How do like, how do you do that? Because I think that's where a lot of people get confused because if you go on Instagram, everyone's channeling right now. So how do you have discernment around that? Yeah, I love this question so much because, um, I am super big on free will and you have to decide for yourself first if it's vibrationally sound for you. And if it is not, you do not have to take it in as your truth. I really believe that sometimes 
information is given to us so that we can make sure that we're calibrated correctly. Meaning we get to actually say, that's not resonating with me. I'm not going to take that one in. That one stays out. Because you have to have that compare and contrast, right? So that when something does resonate, you're like, that frequency is there for me. I'm in. I want to take that in. I want to embody that information. And so you have to be paying attention to that. And it really comes down to what is in your body. How does it feel when that information is hitting you? And if your stomach is turning and your you know, impulse is to turn away from it, no matter what people tell you, whether they're like, this is coming directly from your guide or whatever, it doesn't matter. You are your guide. You are the master of your reality. And so you have to make sure that you are consulting you and you first and going with your true reactions, your true gut feelings on that stuff. Well, and I think what we forget is, you know, say I'm working with someone who I hold in high spiritual regard, I often will forget that they're also a human. They're a soul having a human experience. They also have an ego and there are things behind it that we, I would love to believe that that's not there, but it is. And so I think having a level of discernment around that and also compassion of knowing they're a human who has this gift, which is amazing. And it doesn't mean that every single thing that comes out of their mouth is something I need to follow or believe in. Yeah. And the other thing I'll just add, you know, this is something that, um, about almost 15 years ago, I took this year long internship in the Berkeley Psychic Institute method. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they teach you is that you might hear it and you might hear it because you need to hear it for a chain reaction of energy to be created. But it doesn't mean that it has to be true and that you have to act on that as truth. Sometimes it's calibrating a reaction or something in you that then creates a new opening or a new awareness or a new pathway for you to take. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that information has to be held as the, as the ultimate truth. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, You and I had an Akashic reading a couple months ago, which I loved. (laughs) I would, I, that was my first one ever. I had heard about it forever. And some of the people I've worked with for years offer it and I just never felt called to do it. And then you offered it to me and I was like, this is why I've been waiting. I'm meant to do this with (laughs) Vanessa. What is an Akashic reading and what goes into that? Yeah. So the Akashic records, they say they're like almost like the spiritual library of Congress. They're like the records of all that has been or all that will be. And so the idea is that like time is a construct. And so there really isn't time. So this is almost like the record of all possibility and frequency. And you can literally go into the records and ask questions and get answers about the frequency of it almost. So it's like, you know, again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's the be all end all true of all truths, but it's, you can actually resonate with, or you can check out the resonance of a particular uh, energy or or set of information that might be applicable to your life. And so the way that I use it is I like to ask it questions and see how the energy is. Is the energy held for that to be a good way for me to move forward? And I and then I sort of compare and contrast my own gut instincts against what the records are saying. 
Mm. And if both of the, both of those things seem pretty lined up, I feel like, okay, that gives me a better sense of wanting to move forward on that information or to create around that information. So it's really, um, it's honestly a, a, just a beautiful tool and a library of wisdom to tap into for extra support. When did you realize you could do that? Well, actually, during that um, that psychic school, I call it psychic school that yeah. I took 15 years ago, we learned about that. So I, we actually did some training around it. And anyone can do it. Really, anyone can do it. You just have to do the training and you just have to understand like how to trust yourself and how to find the resonance of what it's telling you and under, understand the language it's giving you the answers. And I get a lot of visual pictures and a lot of gut feeling. So then I have to interpret what that means so that I can communicate that. So everyone really can do it. It's just a practice of learning the skill. Um, and then I just did another certification course on it this year because it kind of came back around and I was like, you know what? I haven't done that for a while. I want to do some more of that. So yeah, but I have been, I've, you know, I've been in and out of it for 15 years or something. Mm, that's so amazing. Yeah. I, lo- I loved doing that with you. It was so beautiful. It was, it was so different than anything I've ever done. And you, you know, you asked me, do you, what questions do you have? What do you want to know about? And it was like, I love the library visual because I felt like you were just kind of walking to the back of this really old dusty library, like pulling out a book and be like, oh, okay. Oh yeah, this is for you. And this is what I'm seeing, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, oh my God, how do you see that? You know, it was, it was so clear. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, a lot of times it it feels literally like you're just pulling up the resource manual Mm -hmm. and it's just so cool. And I love, you know, it's funny because I you actually get a healing out of it. So like you're giving that feeling, but I'm getting almost like I have a soul healing when I'm doing the process of it. So it's just like this very circular experience of giving and receiving that I love. Mm. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you, and this just, it's like when I, um, when my guides are coming through, they just repeat the same thing Uh over and over again. And the question that is, coming forward for me now is you carry yourself in such a way of knowing and wisdom. And I think so many women in their 20s, especially, don't know how to access that. And so there's a feeling of chaos and misunderstanding within ourselves. And I would love to know how you feel you came to be a woman of knowing and confidence and understanding how to really stand in your power. Mm, Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, the one thing I will say is that chaos energy is a real energy. It's a real thing. And many of us get very addicted to it. Mm. Do not know ourselves without the high of chaos. And it is a high, even though it may not always be a good high, you can get high off the frequency of chaos. And so I think one of the biggest things for women to recognize, especially in their 20s, is what is the chaos teaching you? Instead of being addicted to it, learn what it's teaching you and then try to find a place of peace within it. And the the, the energy is there for a reason. It's asking you to understand something about yourself. It's asking you to look deeper. But if you never actually go all the way through that curiosity to find out what it's teaching you and you just keep getting high off of the energy of it, you just repeat the same cycles over and over and over. And so the one thing I would just ask women to do 
as look at what's coming up over and over and over and over again and start to look for grace and start to look for assistance in those in those realities you know whether it's from a coach or whether it's from sitting quietly and asking for answers from the divine but really being in curiosity about why that chaos energy keeps presenting itself in your life and trying to find a system to create peace within that chaos mm. That was so beautifully said. Thank you. Nah, I I thank now you. know why I needed to ask you that. That was perfect. <laughs> you are Good so job, yeah. You are so magical. I just Aww. I love you so much. I have been looking forward to this conversation. I love you and your man together. But I told Connor, I'm like, I need Vanessa by herself. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. I know, dude. We have such a sister energy from yeah. the get go. I like, know. I yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is my person. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't wait to sit together because I, I know that's coming for us. Yes. And that's going to be so magical. Yes. Well, thank you yeah. for being with us. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you for all you do, love. You know, it's really amazing to see someone standing for their own truth and elevating the frequency of women right now. And you're such a powerful being and such a master in your own right. So it's just a really, it's, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you. You too. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to the Kelly show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to rate this slash Kelly to leave a five star review. And as a bonus for doing that, If you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right. We have another juicy episode coming for you next week. So stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.